welcome everybody to downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, uh, appreciate you coming on out. My name is John. I am the lead pastor. So as Adam said, we are in the midst of this series that we are calling Decisions, Decisions. Let me kind of talk to you about what we're doing here. So scripture has a lot to say about wisdom, specifically about what it looks like for us to make wise choices. Now, when it comes to wisdom, I would argue that a wise person is somebody who understands and somebody that recognizes that all of life is connected, that we don't operate inside of a vacuum. So what you do and what you say and how you think and how you act directly impacts who and where you'll be tomorrow. In other words, your life, our lives as we know it, really is the sum total of all the decisions we've made, which means our decisions matter, okay? What we do matters, what we say matters, what we think matters. All of that has an impact on the direction and the quality of our lives. And so in this series, we're taking a look at four very specific decisions that every single one of us will encounter. We're putting it under a microscope, just examining it. We're trying to find out what scripture has to say about it. And then we have a decision. What are we going to do with what we've heard? Last week, if you weren't here, we took a look at the decision to choose God's purpose for our lives over what I called popularity. Really, it's this idea of focusing on God's approval rather than the approval of the people around us. Today, what I want to do is I want to talk about the decision to choose surrender over control. So let's kind of talk about control for a second, particularly control freaks. I don't know if we have any control freaks in this room. A lot of us know control freaks. Maybe you live with control freaks. They can begin to be kind of exhausting when they're in your life. But if you're not a control freak, I would argue that all of us, if we're being honest, at some level, do try to exert control over certain areas in our life. Maybe you're somebody who, you know, kind of takes over at work. Uh, you know, collaboration really isn't in your vocabulary. It's sort of my way or the highway. Maybe you're a parent and you try to control your kids. You're what they call a helicopter parent, just always hovering over your kids' shoulders. Right? You're doing their homework for them. You're doing their project for them. Why? Because they can't do it right, so move out of the way. I'll do this for you. Maybe you live with somebody who has rules that you need to abide by. So my wife has rules, not a control freak, thank God, but she definitely has some specific rules that must be abided by. For example, our milk containers must face, spout out, why? Because it looks nice. <laughs> Who's going in? Okay, anyway. So like, this is not, just so you're aware, this is not a natural placement for milk containers. Do you know how many rotations it takes to begin to, it's entirely too many rotations. I'm exhausted by the time I take this milk out and put it back. But I have rules too, okay? I, I'm not exempt from this. I have a lot of car rules, okay? I'm a car guy. Now, it's not like I'm driving a Ferrari, I'm driving a station wagon, but I got rules, okay? Now, when you use my car, one of the rules is when you close the door, don't touch the window, don't touch the door sill. Okay, I don't want your grimy fingerprints that I could look at all week, okay? Another one, if you have sunblock on, and by the way, you should wear sunblock, but you can't come in my car with sunblock because it's like if you've got black interior, you know it's like white all over the place. It's terrible. I have another big rule, and just, okay, here's the thing. I broke this rule recently, and I regret it, but one of the rules that I really tried to live by is that I do not give Adam Duckworth, our volunteer coordinator, a ride in my car, okay? Because he wears entirely too much cologne. And if you've been within 50 yards of him, you know what I'm talking about. 
And so my car, we had to go to a staff dinner. I got, I'll drive. I knew it was going to happen. For 48 hours afterwards, his presence was just in my, okay? I was like burning sage. Like I'm trying to get rid of, I'm like, can we do this as Christians? But I'm going to do this to get rid of, so we all have our little rules, okay? And it's fun to joke about the dumb ways that we try to control these things in our life. But the truth is, control issues can sometimes reflect a spiritual problem. Because whenever we try to control something that isn't ours to control, whether it's another person, a situation, an area in our life, what we're doing is we're playing God, okay? We're saying, I know what's best, and so we're going to do it my way. So with that in mind, what I want to do today is I want to examine one of the most famous lines in Scripture. And if you've been at church any length of time, you've probably heard this before. It is a verse that if you choose to live by it, can change your life. And it is also a verse that is incredibly difficult to live by. Solomon, who Scripture says is the wisest man who ever lived, said this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In other words, completely surrender yourselves to God. Put your entire life, all that you are, all that you know, all that you have, put it into his hands. Then we're told, and this is where it gets hard, then we're told to lean not on your own understanding. That's hard. And the reason that's so hard is because God has blessed you with an intellect. Your brain was specifically designed to help you understand things to figure things out, to navigate the world around you. But what happens is we begin to lean too heavily on our own understanding and we fail to trust God. Instead, we try to control, we try to manipulate, we try to figure things out because let's be honest, we know what's best for us. Solomon continues. He says, in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. That's a promise. Put it in God's hands, you're going to be okay. Here's the problem. Okay, and this is where you might see some of this in your own life. The more you try to control, the more you fear losing control. And the more you're afraid of losing control, the more you try to control. And before too long, you are just sucked into this vicious cycle of fear, essentially pushing God aside, pushing him out of the equation and just saying, God, I want to control this. I want to control this. I want to control this. There's a great Old Testament example of control gone bad, I'll call it. And it's a story of Abram and Sarai. Now, they will later have their names changed to Abraham and Sarah. And so if I kind of mistakenly say that at some point, that's why. It's the same people, though. But Abram and Sarai were an elderly couple, and they wanted children their whole lives. Just they wanted children, and it never happened for them. Okay? And at the age of 75, God shows up in Abraham's life and says, Abram, you're going to have a son. Not only will you have a son, but look up in the stars in the sky. Okay, you see that? You're going to have as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. And what God was referring to was the Jewish nation that would come out of Abraham's lineage. So that's an incredible promise. That's an answer to prayer. God is going to give this couple exactly what they've always wanted, what they've been praying for for decades. Here's the problem. Okay, God wasn't working fast enough. I mean, one month went by, no baby. Not a problem, fine, okay? Two months, nothing. One year, two years, three years, nothing. No baby, not even like a hint of a baby, if you know what I mean. So Sarah did what 
many of us would do when God's timing isn't working for us, she decided to take control. And she decided that she was going to bring about this desired outcome her own way. Now, before we go any further, okay, and I prayed a lot about this, and I just feel really led, I, gotta, I just got to say this. Let me tell you what this story is not about, okay? This story is not about infertility treatment. It's important to say this, okay? Because one of the most painful situations that a couple can go through is infertility. And the last thing I want to do with all the emotions that you're already dealing with, because I don't know if you're here or online, the last thing I want you to do or, or want to do or make you think that is to put guilt and fear on your plate. If you are someone who has tried for years to get pregnant and you were unable to, and now you are seeking treatment, this story is not telling you that you are playing God. I firmly believe, and this is just my opinion, that infertility treatment is a gift from God. It is a blessing. Today's story is not your story, okay? This couple actively took control of a situation where God said, I've got this. We good? Okay, take a look. Genesis 16. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar, no relation to Sammy. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. So God says, I'm going to give you a son. That's a promise. That didn't happen fast enough. Now she's blaming God. And she's saying, he has kept me from having children. Watch how she takes control. She says to Abram, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps, here it is, I can build a family through her. So God has not done what God has promised to do, at least not yet. And so Sarai takes control. And one morning, she kind of pulls Abraham aside, and she goes, Abraham, listen, um, I know we've been married for like 90 years, and I know you have been with no other woman but me for 90 years, but I'm going to need you. And listen, if I'm overstepping my bounds here, just tell me, because what I'm about to is a big ask. But Abraham, I'm going to need you to go sleep with that 20-year-old Egyptian girl. So Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. Shocker. Okay really had to twist his arm on that. Sarah's like, I didn't even finish. He goes, not a problem. I can do this for you. We can, we can make this happen. So he slept with Hagar and she conceived. He was happy to be of service. Now, God's plan was taking too long. And so Sarah took control. Now I want to show you how this one example of control gone bad has impacted generations of people because this is incredible. Let me, let me chart this out for you. Stick with me. So you got Hagar and you got Sarai. Okay? Sarai is not getting pregnant, so she concocts this plan that she's going to wrest control. She's going to take control out of God's hands, and she's going to have her husband sleep with Hagar. Hagar gets pregnant and gives birth to Ishmael. Th this is what Sarah wanted. Right? This is, she concocted this whole plan. She constructed this whole plan. Now Sarah is annoyed and jealous of Hagar. And there's, a, go back real quick, and there's all kinds of tension between these two people. It's a really, really bad situation. But 25 years after God told Abram that he would have a son, Sarah finally gets pregnant. 25, talk about God's timing not being our timing. 25 years. And she finally gave birth to Isaac. Now, if you know the Old Testament well, you know that the conflict between these two brothers is famous. It's one of the most famous stories of conflict in all of scripture, but here's where it gets really wild. 
fast forward mm, several hundred years, maybe almost a thousand years, out of the lineage of Ishmael would come the prophet Muhammad and the Muslim or the Islamic religion. Out of the lineage of Isaac would come Jesus. God's plan, man's plan. All this tension, all this division, all this strife, all of this conflict because one person said, it's not happening in my timing and in my way. And so I'm going to do what I got to do to bring about my desired outcome. See, all of us will be tempted to take control when something doesn't go our way. For example, maybe you're a single person, okay? And, you know, you've been praying for a spouse, right? You, you, you've been praying and trusting and believing in God to bring someone into your life, someone who will love you, someone who will treat you with respect, someone who will encourage you, someone who shares your values and morals and your love for God and, and, and Jesus. But here's the thing. You know, the clock is ticking, and you are getting older. And to be honest with you, God's not really moving as fast as you need to be moving. It's not like the men and women are beating down your door. And so you decide, you know what, I'm going to take control of this situation. You know, I, I, I know I said that I needed a godly partner, but um, maybe that's not that important. I mean, sh I can certainly change this person once I get them in. Like I, could, I could change, right? If I do that, that'll broaden my dating pool. I can build my family that way. Or maybe it's a financial issue, okay? You're in debt. You're struggling. Now, you've been at church a long time, and you know that God has a lot to say about our finances. He has a, you know, sort of guidelines for what we're to do with what we have. You know that we're to be good stewards with what God has blessed us with, that we're to give some of it away to building God's kingdom. According to Jesus, we are to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, meaning pay your taxes. So God wants you to be generous, and God wants you to pay your taxes and do the right thing. But here's the thing. You know, God's plan it's not really working for you right now in your situation. And so you go, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take control here. I'm going to build my life, to quote Sarah, by withholding from God or withholding from Caesar. All of us are going to be tempted to take control at some point. The big question is, who or what are you trying to control? A person? A thing? A circumstance? You trying to control your kids, parents out there? You trying to control your adult kids? Are you trying to control the way that your kids raise their kids? How about your spouse or your coworkers or your future job? Now, you might not be able to answer this question right now, but I would challenge you to pray about it this week. What it, who or what are you trying to control? Then once you've identified it, I'd love for you to ask, is this mine to control or should I surrender it to God? Is this really something that I'm supposed to exert my will over and my control over, or am I supposed to trust the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding? So what I want to do with the remainder of our time is I want to give you three kind of big questions, filters, if you will, to help you figure out when specifically do you, in your circumstance, need to choose surrender over control. So when it comes to that person or that situation, or that thing, whatever it is you're trying to control, I first want you to ask, and it's going to sound simple and dumb, but it's a great first starting point as a filter question. Here's the first thing you're going to ask. Does it really matter? Like, whatever that particular issue is that you are all worked up over, okay, that you're trying to control, if you were to step back 
with a clear you know, mind, if that's possible, does it really matter? Is it really worth it? I mean, let's apply this to our relationships because this is a big one. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in counseling appointments. I've seen it in ministry. Here's what I have learned. You can have control or you can have intimacy, but you can't have both. Now, your relationship or your marriage, whatever that looks like, is a partnership with mutual love and mutual respect and, according to Scripture, mutual submission. And I get it. You two are very different people, but there's different personalities, there's different worldviews, you were raised differently, you, you do things a little differently, but the problem is we get so worked up, okay, over things that don't really matter that we end up hurting the relationships because of it. We end up injecting tension into these relationships over things that simply don't matter that much. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that we shouldn't have tough conversations. I just did a wedding a few weeks ago. I talked about the importance of this in marriage. There's a time in every single marriage, in every relationship, where tough conversations need to be had. Listen, I'm, I'm seeing this, okay? Hey, I'm, I think we got to work on this in, in, in our relationship. Those are tough conversations. We often want to avoid those conversations, but they're beneficial. And we as Christians, if you're a Christian in the room, you got a responsibility to have those conversations. I'm not talking about those kinds of tough conversations. What I am saying is, is it worth it to go to war over the Amazon boxes in the garage? Okay, you know the ones that I'm talking about. They said they took them to the recycling bin. They really just tossed them in the garage like a grenade and shut the door behind them. Starting to look like the barricade and lay Miz in there. I know it's annoying, right? And I know you want to needle them about it. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? How about this? Is it worth it going to war over how the towels are folded? In five years, is it really going to matter that your spouse folded them incorrectly? <laughs> they folded them. Can't we celebrate small wins, folks? One more. Is it worth it going to war over that empty Starbucks cup that they left in your car? I read an incredible article this week. It was written by a Christian woman, and she had lost her husband. He died at a very early age. And she was sharing wisdom with those of us who are married and those of us who still have our spouses. And she touched on the very issues that we're talking about today. She, she said this, I wanted a perfect husband who acted how I wanted. If only he could understand how right I was and how wrong he'd always be. I needed to instruct him, question him, and remind him of his shortcomings. After all, I was his helpmate. That's quoting scripture there. She goes on to say, and I quote, um, by pointing out each fault, I was actually poisoning the relationship, which is exactly what we're talking about here, right? You can have control or you can have intimacy, but you can't have both. As this article unfolds, she says that her major gripe with her late husband was over the fact that he left his socks all over the house, okay? These socks drove her crazy. She went to war over these socks. But now he's gone. And she says, my heart ached for dirty socks to once more be a part of my days. Isn't that amazing? The thing that drove her crazy, this meaningless thing that she would go to war over, was actually what she missed most. What are the dirty socks in your relationship? Because every time you feel this need to control, you got to ask yourself, does it really matter? Okay, is it worth getting upset over this? 
really matter in five years. Because too many of us are getting upset over things that don't really matter much, and we're hurting our relationships, and we're hurting our intimacy, we're driving our kids crazy. Does it really matter? Second question we got to ask. Is it mine to control? Okay, is this something that I should be doing something about? Because sometimes the answer is yes. One of the truths you learn in Scripture is that God's not going to do everything for you. In fact, God wants you to do some things yourself. There's a massive, huge, gargantuan difference between surrendering control to God and relinquishing your responsibilities. Big difference. For example, if you are somebody who's in financial trouble, all right, don't just sit on your hands and say, mm, God's going to fix this. No. God is like, I gave you two arms, two legs, an intellect, a heartbeat. Go work. Spend less money. Live below your means. Get a second job. Get a third job. Get a fourth job. Do something about it. I am not saying that God won't help you. He certainly will. But you've got to remember to use the gifts that he's already given you. Maybe marriage problem, right? What can you do? Forget about your spouse for a second. We'll talk about them later. What can you do? Well, you can adjust your own heart. You can examine yourself. You can suggest, hey, why don't we try counseling? There are some things you should do. So you've got to ask yourself, is this mine to control? And if it is, do something about it. If it's not, we're going to ask ourselves the third and final question. Is it for God alone? Okay, is this one of those areas that I'm desperately trying to control, but it's not mine to control? Is, is this something that I need to surrender to God? Paul wrote something phenomenal, so profound, that it really does help us release these things to God. And he wrote it from a jail cell. He said this, do not be anxious about anything. Show of hands. How many of you were anxious this week about something, right? Okay. All right, that's everybody. Okay, never mind. Thought we were doing well there for a second, but then the hands slowly started to go up. Paul's like, don't be anxious about it. And you want to go, yeah, but Paul, you don't understand. He goes, Ugh. don't be anxious about it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, you know, that work situation, you know the one that I'm talking about, that home situation, that health situation, that situation with your kids, that situation with your parents, no matter what they say or what they did, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you can't change in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving in your heart, present your request to God. Paul is like, every single time you encounter a situation that makes you anxious, pray. Now, let's be honest with each other. We're all friends here. It doesn't leave this room. How many times have you been in a situation where you've done all you could do? You've done all you can do, okay? You've exhausted all of your resources. You're stressed. You're anxious. And you finally say, well, all we can do now is pray, right? All we can do now is pray. How do you think that makes God feel? <laughs> He's up there going, all you got is me? Yikes. Now, now you're in trouble. Now, okay, listen, prayer is never a last resort. Prayer is always our first line of offense. We get to pray. We, we, get, we have the honor of speaking directly to the creator of the universe. We serve a God who desires and longs to hear our prayers. We serve a God who promises to work all things together for your future good. So, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, 
by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Then watch what happens. Paul says, you do this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, mean it's not going to make sense. People are going to look at you and they go, how are you so at peace? If, if I was in your situation, I would be losing my mind, which transcends all understanding, and it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When there is something that we can't or shouldn't control, we got to say, God, this one's yours. I present this to you. I trust you, okay? I'm trusting you with all my heart. I am not leaning on my own understanding. I'm leaning on your promises. I am submitting to you. I am praying, would you please do something about this? So what does that look like in your life? I'll give you a couple quick examples, and then we're done. Let me ask you this. Can you change your spouse? Told you we talk about them. Now, some of you think you can, right? And you can certainly do things that kind of modify their behavior for a little bit, but then they end up resenting you for it afterwards. Can you actually change your spouse? No. That's out of your hands. Can God change your spouse? Yeah. Okay? He can. Now, it's God. I love my spouse. I really do. Okay? but my spouse is for you alone. I trust you, God, to change my spouse. How about this one? Can you physically heal yourself? Can you physically heal someone that you love? Maybe it's cancer. Awful epidemic in this world. Can you heal cancer? No. You can get treatment. You can get the best doctors in the world. You can eat right. You can do all of that. But can you actually heal it? No. But can God heal you? And so it's one of those moments where it's, God, <laughs> I give this to you. I give this to you. I'm scared, but I give this to you. I trust you. Whenever you find yourself grasping in this world for control, attempting to exert your will over a situation or a person, you've got to ask yourself, is it worth it? Okay? And a lot of times it's not. Let it go. Okay? Is this mine to control? And if it is, do something about it. And if it's not, you've got to give it to God. You gotta trust him with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, and he promises to make your paths straight. So what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen just to make sure you guys can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So we asked some very specific questions today. And chances are most of us are getting wrapped up in some stuff that just isn't worth our concern. We're trying to control the small stuff. We gotta let that go. Others of us, perhaps you've recognized that there are some areas in your life where you gotta step it up a little bit. We've been waiting for God to take control and what he's saying is, I've given you all you need to do this, okay? This one's on you. But the big question and the reason we're here today is I need you guys to focus on this week to ask the question, okay, where am I encroaching on God's territory? What am I trying to control that I have absolutely no business and no right trying to control? For some of you here, I got to imagine that the Holy Spirit is just pricking your heart right now, right? It's come on, listen, listen, release this to me. Come on, let go of this. Trust me. We got a decision to make. 
And that is, will you choose surrender over control? Will you decide to hand it over to Jesus? Now, I know you're, you're nervous. This makes you nervous. You're already nervous. And the more nervous you get and the more afraid you get, the more you try to control. But this is not yours to control. Peter, one of the disciples, says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So whatever it is, whoever it is, no matter how big and scary it might be, hand it over to God. Cast it on him, Peter says. He was a fisherman. Cast it on him. Lay it at his feet. Say, Jesus, I, I trust you. Okay, I trust you. I know you have my best intentions in mind, and so I surrender this to you. Cast all your anxieties on God. Now, here's the hard part. And, and this is where, if you're like me, you're going to struggle. Don't take it back. Okay, don't reach into God's hands and say, I know I prayed about this, and I know I asked you to get involved in this, and I know I, I asked you to take care of this, but I'm just going to take it back, and I'm going to start to worry about it again. Right? I'm just going to grab this. Thank you very much. Okay? I'm going to grab this. Thank you. And I'm just going to see if, I mean, it worked so well the first time. I'm going to see if I can do something about this again. Okay? Here's the thing about our God. He's a gentleman. Okay? He's not going to be like hands off. He's going to go, okay, here, you want it? It's yours. And you're going to have to deal with all that stress all over again. But here's the great thing about our God. He'll be waiting for you to surrender it back to him again. So trust him with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. And he promises, he promises to make your paths straight. Let me pray for you. Dearly Father, one of the greatest gifts that you have given human beings is a mind. Our intellect, our ability to understand this world. But Lord, it is that very gift that often gets us into trouble. It is that very gift that we often look to rather than looking to you. And Lord, I pray that today you would challenge us. That you would help us to not only see the things that we're getting wrapped up in that aren't worth our time. I pray that you would challenge us, Lord, to see where we need to step it up. That you actually have given us gifts and talents and abilities that we can use to help ourselves and you're going to be there alongside of us. But God, I pray most importantly that you would put a spotlight into our lives and show us what we are trying to control that we have absolutely no business trying to control. And the more that we try to control it, the worse we're making it for ourselves. God, empower us to make room in our life for you, to trust you with our lives, with our future, with the people that we love, with our health, with our everything and we'll be sure to give you all of the glory. We ask this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name.